Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. Hello and greetings, everyone. This is Mike Cleveland. Again, I have the joy and the privilege and the pleasure of being with my wife on this podcast. Jody, thank you for taking time to come and share with us today. Oh, it's such a joy to um, come together and look to the Word of God and to fellowship around the gospel. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are excited always to be sharing with people. Today we have a subject that we want to talk about. And it's a subject that affects people's hearts and lives in a terribly detrimental way. What we're talking about today is the subject of bitterness. And uh, bitterness is hard to define because it's impossible to see. Um, Bitterness is in the heart. Um, So we have this subject to deal with, um, and we want to help and provide some Uh, instruction from God's Word uh, that would help people who feel like they're dealing with bitterness. Um, Jody, what are your thoughts initially as you think about bitterness? Um, How can we define it? How does a human being experience bitterness? And just any thoughts you might have as we begin today. Oh, sure. Well, um, when I think about bitterness, I think about meditating or thinking again and again and again over um, wrongs that have been done to me or to someone that I love, injustices in the world, um, sin, sickness, these types of things. When I think about those over and over and over again and revisit them and replay them, the offenses, the injustice of it all, I get bitter in my heart. It's like a poison. It feels bad. It stirs up in me. Um, Not righteous anger, but sinful anger. Um, It stirs in me a desire for revenge. It fosters hate. It is poison. Um, And and it transforms me. I I go from being um, a person who is um, compelled or constrained by the love of Christ into a person who is fleshy and and operating in the realm of the flesh where I'm vengeful and and wanting to get even and wanting to right those wrongs. Um, I think about David when he was angry at Nabal, right? Nabal, he, he had defended Nabal's herds and flocks and all these things and he went to Nabal and said, hey, you know, it's feast time, and can you can you spare some food for my people? We did this good thing for you. Could you help us out? And Nabal's like, eh, what are you to me? No, I don't think so. I, you know, I've got no obligation to you. I don't owe you anything. And David immediately, as soon as he got the word about it, he is enraged. This is unjust. It is wrong. How could this man be so heartless and, you know, selfish and narcissistic? And he says, put on your swords, right? And he puts on his sword himself and he's ready to go out and just kill Nabal and the whole household. That's, that is what bitterness is like, is when you are so incensed and so filled up because you have ruminated and meditated on these wrongs, right? It's a poison and it makes you do 
poisonous things. That's a good illustration uh, of bitterness. Um, and we have another illustration before us today. Uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to see an illustration of a man who let bitterness grow up and ruin his life. Mm. And so we're going to start with verse 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14 in the Amplified says, Continually pursue peace with everyone. Um, just a side note, in our world today, <laughs> we have so many sides. We have this against that and them against them. Um, there's just sides everywhere, but the believer is told to pursue peace with everyone, as far as it depends on us, to be at peace with all people. Continually pursue peace with everyone and the holiness or sanctification without which no one will ever see the Lord. And then here comes the, the uh, statement about bitterness. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace that no root of resentment or bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. So Jody, what we're seeing here is that bitterness starts as a root. Now a root is unseen. It is in the earth. Nobody can see it. There's no problem, right? It's just yeah. a root that's out of sight. But a root of bitterness can spring up and, and become a tree that fills your whole life uh, it can defile others. Bitterness is defiling. Um, as we think about this, why is bitterness defiling? What what exactly is it? For for instance, you describe bitterness as your own thoughts that you are are just swimming in thoughts of revenge and anger and and getting even and those types of things. Well, that's just your thoughts. You haven't hurt anybody. So why is bitterness something? that can defile many other people. Well, I think it's, um, when as we are in our heart, so go our lives, right? So out of our life, out of our heart flows all the issues of life, the Bible says. And um, so that's what happens, what's in our heart, what we're meditating on, what we're thinking about. And and the thing that I want to be clear about is that a lot of times um, the things that we're upset about are wrong, wrong things. You know, they are unjust. It was wrong for that particular thing to happen. Somebody sins against us, they're wrong. The, nobody's disputing the wrongness, wrongs in the world and the injustices of the world or in our personal lives, right? But when we dwell on those and we start thinking about them over and over again and we our, our, our thoughts move away from... Um, the gospel and the cross of Christ and we start thinking about how that person needs to pay. Somebody needs to pay the price and we've decided that it's this person or that person or whatever. And then generally what happens is we voice it. Eventually we start voicing what is in our mind and what is in our heart and it starts coming out. And then it, all we need is one person to agree with us and even they don't even really have to agree with us. But now that we've voiced it, it begins to take on a life of its own. And we start really thinking about, now, how can I execute this? How can I make this happen? And if somebody joins our side and says, yeah, that's right, let's you know do this or that, then now we're really, um, it's, it's starting to really defile and spread. And sometimes it is, it is as subtle as um, 
just the way we interact with people. Maybe we're bitter about something and then we become short-tempered or we become harsh toward other people. Um, we become, we say hurtful things. And then that affects, now it's starting to affect those around us. Maybe our children start to um, react in sinful ways. They're getting, they're copying us, right? They start to be short-tempered. They start to talk back. They start to uh, do things they shouldn't and act out in ways that they shouldn't. So do you see how it just kind of spreads out there? That's a good description of it. You know, so what you can say is that bitterness really is the flesh incarnate and it's accompanied by all kinds of things such as unforgiveness, pride, uh, an attitude of superiority, um, looking down, accusations, and all of these things bitterness fosters. And as you said, it spreads, it grows, it defiles many it makes many people begin to have those same thoughts. Oh, yes, that was terribly unjust. Yes, we should rise up. Yes, we should. And so this bitterness is at the root of many um, evils that are perpetuated because there was no way to stop that. The, somehow the thinking has to stop swimming in unforgiveness, in bitterness, in in revenge and those types of things. Right. We're going to see as we look at this passage an example. Like you used Nabal, we're going to see another example of someone who let bitterness destroy his life. It says in verse 16, and see to it that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. Now let's put this in the context. Esau was deceived by Jacob. Jacob went to his father in the clothing of Esau, pretending to be Esau, and in essence, stole the birthright from Esau. Now, this tells us, this passage, a lot about what transpired in Esau's thinking when that happened. He became bitter, and that bitterness led him to a horrible life that was a godless pagan um, life of the flesh, nothing but the flesh, desiring to get even, to take revenge, to go get that Jacob. And, and this began to dominate his life, as we can see from this passage here. And also, it brings in this thought of immorality. And so immorality can follow and be caused by bitterness. Now, this is not something, Jody, that you and I have, have not experienced. It's only theoretical. No, I became bitter in my life, and I let that bitterness take me to immorality, pornography, sexual impurity, and things like that. Um, we're a long ways from that now, but this was a root cause of my turning to impurity immorality was this bitterness that was in my heart i wanted a release for it i wanted an outlet so to speak for it and so there's a real caution in this passage about watch out for bitterness mm -hmm. um, because it leads to so many other evil things now as you think about this bitterness being uh, leading to immorality and and that all kinds of the flesh come out when a person has bitterness in his heart. 
we see that a lot in our ministry, don't we? We see a lot of people come to us who, out of bitterness, have brought in immorality, and then that has exposed their marriage to the evil one, and the bitterness that come has defiled the marriage. And what are some types of things that happen in a marriage when bitterness comes in? All right. Well, you know, generally it doesn't, it obviously doesn't start with bitterness. It starts with sins against each other, right? So um, uh, a wife is unkind or unthankful for her husband. She treats him, uh, takes him for granted, right? Or a husband um, is, uh, is um, not thoughtful toward his wife or considerate of her weaknesses, things like that. And so they say unkind things to each other and they do thoughtless things, you know, take each other for granted, don't, don't treat each other as they should. And so it starts something small like that, right? And then as one person thinks about it and, and mulls over it, then they start saying, you know what, I deserve better. I, that, that's wrong, the way they treated me. I, I should have better. And so maybe they become harsh or they say more unkind things and it just keeps compounding until now we have a full-on war. And, and the reason is that the, it's the desire for that gratification. Esau, when he sold, it says he sold his birthright for a single meal. He had been out working all day, right? He came back from hunting. He was ravenous. He was so hungry. And Jacob, ever the schemer, says, hey, you know, sure, I'll give you. He, he commanded Jacob to give him some porridge, right, or some of his stew or whatever he was making. And Jacob's like, sure, I'll give you some, but you give me your birthright. This is manipulating. And um, so Esau says, fine, whatever, because he didn't value. He wanted instant gratification. He couldn't look down the road. He couldn't say, hey, that birthright has value. It's something I need to hold on to. And I need to deny my flesh today because this has value in the long term, right? He couldn't do that. He said, yeah, whatever. And he just dismissed it. And this is what we do when we treat each other in that harsh instant gratification, revenge type of way when we smack back um, at each other, we are not valuing um, the gift that we've been given, not only in the gospel, but in our marriage. And, and so when we do that, we then hurt each other and we, uh, we throw away, discard carelessly something that is precious and beautiful and should be cherished. And, and it is defiling, and it just ends up just a big mess. The description is as a root, right? So bitterness is a root. It's in the heart. It's unseen, but it can grow up to become seen. And a lot of times, we don't know ourselves that we have bitterness. We aren't even aware of it. We, um, we don't maybe even acknowledge that we're out acting out of bitterness, speaking out of bitterness. Um, there's ways that you can see it in other people. Um, it's, it's interesting that we can't see it in ourselves most of the time, but we can see it in others. Sure. And I think of this story in Acts chapter 8, and we're going to switch for just a minute from thinking about Esau to, be, to think about this man named Simon 
he was a magician and he was doing magic arts and and um you know practicing this magic and you know sort of wowing people with what he could do with magic well then Peter and John came and preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 13 of Acts 8 that Simon believed, that he became a believer. He believed Philip or you know, Peter or John, uh, their message about salvation, and he was baptized. So he became a believer. But he then began to want to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit so that he could again wow people. Mm -hmm. So here's a believer who's not acting in accordance with the gospel. And it's so interesting what, I believe it was Peter, yes, Peter said to him, may your money be destroyed along with you because you thought you could buy the free gift of God with money. That's pretty bold, Mm -hmm. isn't it? He's saying, may your money perish along with you. Wow, you have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Your motives, your purpose is not right before God. So repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, this thought of your heart may be forgiven you. And then he says this word, For I see that you are provoked by bitterness and bound by sin. And so maybe we can't see this root of bitterness within us, but other people see it so clearly. And Peter was being a friend to Simon in saying, pointing out this bitterness and saying, repent, turn away from it, pray and ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That's That's how we get rid of bitterness. We acknowledge it, that it's there, and we're called to repent from it. Mm -hmm. to turn away from it, to pray, God, forgive me. God, have mercy on me. Yes. And Simon heard, and he answered, Pray to the Lord for me, both of you, so that nothing of what you have said will come upon me. Mm. So here's a man who had bitterness in his heart, but it was revealed in his life. And other believers can see it. Jody, when you look at someone who's bitter, what do you see? Right. You usually see a lot of anger, a lot of accusations. They're all they're pointing the finger at other people. They're they're often mean, um, spirited. Right. You, you just I, whenever I've been bitter in my life, I was harsh, angry, um, revenge motivated, um, unkind, grossly unkind, uh, things like that. Yeah, just this hardness of heart is what you um, usually encounter in a bitter person. And everything that comes out of their mouth is negative, it is unbelieving, it is faithless, it is defiled, is poison, is bitter. It's just you physically want to draw back because of what the, what's coming out of that person is so abrasive and caustic. And you just, there's this uh, revulsion um, of the spirit to that bitterness, just like Peter, just woo, that is really bad. That is wickedness. You know, that's how you feel when you uh, when you encounter someone who's caught in the bonds of iniquity and 
the gall of bitterness. Yes. And it evidences itself in so many areas. Like, for example, Simon here wanted to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit yeah. so that he could continue to wow people. Hey, I got better magic now. I got <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Watch this. I can, you know, do whatever. And so his motives were impure and not right. Now, he was a believer. It clearly says that he both was believed and was baptized. All right. But the problem was that his heart yet still revealed that aspect of bitterness that he needed to repent of. Um, and, and this is what we see in the lives of people who come to our ministry. Maybe, for example, the husband um, was bitter about something in his life. Um, and so he turned to immorality. Right. Well, what does that do? That opens the door to Satan. And now Satan comes in not only to him, but to his wife, to his kids, to his family. He's opened this door and darkness just comes rushing in. And now everybody in this family is responding in the flesh. All right. We're accusing each other. This is what the flesh is and does. It wants to accuse. It wants to remember wrongs. Oh, absolutely. It wants Usually to, a long litany of them. <laughs> a whole list of wrongs. Yeah. It keeps a record of wrongs. It does. So that any point I can pull out against you this evidence that I have that you've done me wrong. Yeah. Okay, this is the flesh. It's inspired by Satan. The flesh and Satan always work together. Mm -hmm. So that what we have now is a family run over by the devil acting and reacting in the flesh, uh, it's, a, a, it's a situation that is horribly harmful to everybody involved in it. It is. Um, usually it comes from the man or whoever invites this impurity, this immorality in. It's carried on by the person who becomes bitter by it so that he or she is acting just as wrongly as the impure one was. And now we've got a, a family. I'm just talking a family, but it could be a country. Oh, sure, absolutely. It could, it could be a, a business. It could be anything that gets run over by Satan. And now everybody's responding in the flesh. Everybody's bitter. Everybody's angry. We're all accusing each other. We're pointing out wrongs. We're remembering sins done against us. And it's nothing but the flesh and the devil all working together. Right. It's a horrible place to be, isn't it? It is, it is, and it leads to death. Um, bitterness, if you keep drinking of this bitterness, it will lead to death. Death of a person, death of a marriage, death of a, a idea, a death of a, um, a nation. If, it, if, you keep, if you keep going with it, it will eventually defile all the way to death. And in fact, it did in Jesus Christ. And so let's talk about that for a minute, because I think we've described the problem pretty clearly here. Mm -hmm. uh, bitterness of the heart is a, begins as a root. It's unseen. It's in the thoughts. If the thoughts are meditated on, if thoughts were, if you were, for example, to remember wrongs against me, all the sins I've committed against you, and you began dwelling on them, um, and Satan began putting more in your mind, uh, you now become bitter and you have a root of bitterness that's unseen that's going to grow up into a tree. Mm. And that tree is going to strangle 
you and me, everybody around us, um, and it's going to end in death, as you said. So let's talk now, move from the problem to the solution. Now, the world would tell us, just stop thinking those thoughts. Uh, stop running them over in your mind. Stop ruminating yeah. on those thoughts. What's the problem with that? Why can't we just stop our thoughts? <laughs> if only we could, right? If, if I could just stop doing anything uh, in my own power, then my goodness, we wouldn't have sin problems, would we? Because who wants to sin, right? Nobody wants to. We all want to be perfect, right? We want to live and, and do what's right all the time. Uh, that's that's just a, a natural desire, um, but it's not possible because our flesh is weak, 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 and we need something greater. We need something higher. We need something that can displace, to, that can remove, that can wipe out our uh, our bitterness, our transform our bitterness as something that can remove our sin, that can make us faultless. And flawless. Right. Because thoughts become strongholds. They do. And you can't break a demonic stronghold. It's impossible. Right. You will dwell on that person's wrong until the day you die. And so you will live as a prisoner to your own thoughts. You will be bitter. You will be angry. You will be vengeful. Those thoughts will continue to mull around in your head and you will add to them. And that root begins to grow and become a tree. So there is a way to be free from this. There is a way. It's not through worldly methods of trying to stop thinking about that. Right. Um, and I just want to, to convey that method that works by way of a story. We've talked about Hebrews 12 with Esau. We've talked about Simon in Acts chapter 8. Let's now move to the solution to bitterness. Okay. This is yeah. the Bible's solution to bitterness. Yeah. We come to Exodus chapter 15 and we read about a story where the Israelites came to some water. They were thirsty, but they found no water in the wilderness. And in verse 23, it says they came to Mara. Mara is a very interesting word that we're going to look at. It says they could not drink its waters because they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. Mara means bitter. Mm -hmm. So the water was bitter. It was undrinkable. Mm -hmm. Listen, when someone's bitter, what comes out of their mouth is undrinkable. You just described that. Right. You you pull back from it. Mm -hmm. It's you don't want to hear any more of it because it's bitter. It's poisonous at the root. Yeah. Here were the Israelites. They could not drink the water, and so they grew discontent and they grumbled at Moses and said, "What are we going to drink?" And then, why don't you read verse 25 of Exodus 15? Then he cried to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a tree, a branch of which he threw into the waters, and the waters became sweet. So he showed them a tree. I love this phrase. Look at this. Then they cried to the Lord. Moses cried to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a tree. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, what in the world? Uh, they they threw a tree into these bitter waters. As far as I know, there isn't any tree that can magically make bitterness become sweet. It can, you know, as far as we know, I've read history on this and I've looked a little bit. Um, so why in the world did God use a tree to show that this bitter water can be made sweet by use of a tree? Well, I think uh, it was a picture. It was a sign pointing forward to another tree. 
That's exactly right. Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> nothing is done willy-nilly. Nothing mm-hmm. is haphazardly done. Every story in the Bible has details about it which are important because God is communicating another message. And what he's wanting you and I to do, and everyone who listens to us right now, yes. is to turn your eyes to another tree. Yes. To, to view the cross of Calvary. To see Jesus sucking out all the poison, all the sin of humanity in the whole world, taking that bitterness into his own soul. Right. To just look at Calvary, to look at the cross and see Jesus becoming sin for us. Mm-hmm. Look at that cross and see what happened on that tree. We already know what happens in the root of bitterness that becomes a tree. Mm-hmm. But look at this tree. It sucks out all the poison from my heart. Mm -hmm. It takes out all the bitterness simply by looking at the cross because Jesus went to that cross and became sin for us. Jody, as you think about what that transaction that happened, the, the taking away of the bitterness and the sin and the giving of the sweetness of his righteousness, Think about that. Talk about that. How does that happen? Right. Well, I think for me, as I consider it and I look to Jesus, I see a lot. But one of the things I see is my own sin. I'm reminded that I am a sinner, that I needed forgiveness, that I am not perfect. I cannot cast any stones because I'm not without sin. Right? I come to Christ just as needy as you do, just as needy as my brothers and sisters around the world. We all come broken and, and sinful, needing cleansing, needing healing, needing wholeness from Jesus. We come thirsty like these Israelites, desperate, parched, so needy and, and upset because we have been without water. We have been without satisfaction. We have been sinned against. This is wrong. People should not have to be thirsty. People should not have to live in the desert. People should not have to uh, bear sin and shame and guilt and all these terrible things that this fallen world provides for us, right? These are wrong. And so I come to Jesus with all of my brothers and sisters around the world and we are on equal ground equal ground where we say we need you jesus and jesus says father forgive father they don't know what they're doing father forgive receive my blood offering receive this so that they might be forgiven and god says yes he says i receive you jesus i receive this offering this perfect lamb of god that has been sacrificed i receive your perfect offering and and he takes our sin from us and gives to us that faultless righteousness of his that perfect life that he lived is attributed to us so now when I look at you you still sin against me I still sin against you but I don't look at you that way anymore I see you as faultless in Jesus and I forgive as I have been forgiven fully and free Do I want full forgiveness? Absolutely. Then I want it for you too. And I want it for my brothers and sisters around the world. Right? I want that. So I see my own forgiveness. I also see that God has avenged. 
God has made it right. He has, he has um, in Christ, punished all the sin and all the injustices that I have suffered, and that everyone will suffer. And if we take refuge in Jesus, we are forgiven. It is enough. The cross is enough. He died, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world, right? So the cross tells me that God forgives. God is just. He has satisfied. The payment has been made. I don't need to ask for a pound of flesh from you because God has already given all of Christ. Do Who am I to say I need more? That wasn't enough, God. I want more. No, no. We must receive the sweetness of the cross. We must embrace and drink from the living water. Stop. Stop with the bitterness. Receive. Turn to a new fountain, right? Stop drinking the bitter water. Let the cross transform it. It becomes sweet. Now we just drink up and we are satisfied and we are comforted and we are relieved and the bitterness goes away. It's a, it's a miracle how oh, the bitterness is. is just taken out of our hearts and filled with the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And the fruit of the Spirit comes out now. Yes. Right? The fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also a tree and we are this fruit. We have love and joy and peace together. Yes. And we exercise patience and kindness toward people. The fruit of the Spirit replaces the bitter root of bitterness. Right. And so the cross is where all this happens. This is why what we're looking at in Exodus 15 is a tree. A tree that somehow took all the bitterness out of the water and replaced it with that which is sweet and drinkable. And so it's the cross that can become a thought stronghold in our minds. And, and maybe just some words of practicalness here, and then we'll wrap this up. Sure. When you begin the old familiar thinking about, you know, he did this wrong to me. She did that wrong to me. Right. Instead, we, we finish that thought and we take it to the cross and we say, oh, but Jesus paid for it. Yes. So I don't have to extract, like you said, a pound of flesh. Oh, but he or, or she uh, did this and I remember the wrongs done. Finish that thought. Right. Run to the cross as fast as you can and say, Jesus died for that sin. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is finishing our sentences. Right. We're not getting stuck in the old rut of the thought stronghold as it used to be. We still might have the thoughts, but now we finish them at the cross. And what we're doing is giving the cross the final word. Yes. Because Jesus said, it is finished. Right. Okay. The revenge that you need, it is finished. Yes. The the anger that you feel, it is finished. The revenge you want to take, the anger, all of this at the cross, it is finished. And Jesus died and he breathed his last. He hung his head. He breathed his last. He died. And just to make sure he was dead, the soldier pierced his heart and out came blood and water. And his last thing that's said on the cross is blood and mm. water. Yeah. Forgiveness has the last word. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, I love this in um, Exodus 15 at the end of this section about where the Lord provides water and transforms the, the bitter waters into sweet. It says, for I am the Lord who heals you. And first Peter two um, quotes Isaiah 53 and says, um, by his wounds, you have been healed. And I think that one of the things um, that we as believers fail to do sometimes is we fail to receive our healing from the cross of Christ, right? We think that um, that the cross forgives our sins and, oh, isn't that wonderful? But we it's so much more than that. Oh, it is so much more. And and so we, we sort of cut cut the cross off at the knees and and we should never do that we should we should receive all the blessings that the cross have for us, has for us and one of them is this healing this uh the this the cross is an element that says i see this wound and i want to heal it let me pour on the the um the blood let me pour on the water let me cleanse let me heal Right. This is the the spirit comes and he's like the oil, right? That just soothes the balm that heals. And this is what the cross. This is the power of the cross for a wounded heart. And and that's what bitterness is a. It comes in, and in, in a wound, right? It's a seed. It's a root. It becomes a, a root. It grows up into a tree, and it, it's through a wound usually, of some kind. And, and so if we want that extracted, we have to come to the cross and open our hearts to the Lord and, and receive the de-weeding, so to speak, that where he digs out that bitter root from our heart. And it hurts. Oh, it hurts because the wound is real, right? But then he pours on the love and the grace and the mercy and the healing. And as we receive that, our hearts are made whole and we are put into our bright minds. The bitterness, the bitter thoughts, the angry thoughts, the revengeful thoughts, all are wiped away and they are replaced with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and self-control. That's beautiful. Praise God. Bitterness comes in through a wound Bitterness goes out through wounds, the wounds of Jesus that he received as he died on the cross removes a bitter heart and replaces it with a heart of love and forgiveness and acceptance where I no longer am accusatory. I'm no longer holding a list of sins or wrongs done. I'm forgiving in my heart because I've been forgiven by the heart of Jesus that bled out. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father in heaven, as we examine this story of bitter waters that were undrinkable, maybe somebody who has listened to this story for the first time realizes that has been their own heart, filled with bitterness, unfit for consumption for other people. But Lord, just now, would you point them to the cross where you died for them to forgive them of their sins? Lord, just for a minute, would you, would you show them that cross and show them how big their sins were, not the other person's, but mm-hmm. their sins, 
and to show now that you have removed that sin from them as far as the east is from the west, that you've made an atonement for them. And through that atonement, you've given them now this message of reconciliation where God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. Would you help that message to draw out all the bitterness from them, to to see that bitterness being nailed to the cross and then buried away in a grave? Lord, that they might receive the Holy Spirit who will wash and cleanse them and make them new and give them fresh eyes to see their offender as one who is also to be forgiven and loved. And by this, would you join people together at the foot of the cross, making it all level ground where there's no male or female, Jew or Gentile, black or white, or any other division, but all are sinners forgiven and loved by the God who gave his Son. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.